Okay, the word thanksgiving, it's a compound word, right? Of thanks. So that means, uh, I think, an attitude and action uh, of grace and gratefulness uh, toward another that have helped you. And, and giving is also in thanksgiving. So I, I want to focus on that piece of the word thanksgiving this morning to talk a little bit about giving. So I'm going to talk about it from a financial aspect of giving financially, but there's also giving right of our time and our talents. So I do think that you can think of it along those lines, too. I'm not talking about this because I think God needs your money. He doesn't. He's doing pretty well. But we need to give because God's word commands us to be givers, to be good stewards of, again, the resources he's given to us. And he promises to bless us if we will. Listen to Acts 20, verse 35. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. My question for you this morning is, do you really believe that? That it's more blessed to give than to receive? And that word blessed could be translated very easily, happy. You will be happier by giving than receiving. Now, I think it's pretty fun receiving. I mean, in July, it seems like my birthday was celebrated for two weeks. I wasn't asking for it to be celebrated that long, but it seemed like there was one thing after another that just extended that celebration. But the Bible says, rather, blessed are those who give rather than those who receive. I would call it living generously. Let me share some key words from the Bible. The words believe, believer, believing are used about 275 times in the Bible. The words pray, prayer, praying, 371 times. The words love, loves, loving, about 714 times. The words give and giving, 2,162 times. Nine times more than believe, seven times more than pray, three times more than love. Now, that's not to say that those words, believing, loving, praying, aren't important. Of course they are. But by just sheer numbers, do you see the emphasis that the Bible places on giving? It's really the essence of the Christian life is giving, because think of the ultimate giver, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for you. Jesus said this in Luke six thirty-eight: Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Give, and it will be given to you. But what will be given to you? I want to share with you seven blessings that I think, and there's plenty more, just from Scripture, that will come your way as a giver. The first is, giving makes me more like God. Giving makes me more like God because God is a giver. The most famous verse in the Bible tells us that. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Everything I have is a gift from God. 
Someone said, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So to learn to be more and more like God, I have to be a giver because he's a giver. I'm thinking at the moment of our one-year-old granddaughter, Florence. Man, my heart just swells with love for her. And you grandparents know what I'm talking about. There is nothing that I think I wouldn't do or give to her. But just think of God's love for us. It's much more vast than our love, even for our children and grandchildren. And he's given us his very best in giving his son. So when we give, we are imitators of him. We're, just, we're like him. Number two, giving draws me closer to God. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your heart this morning? That's your treasure. Is it your house, your car, your boat, your kids, your grandkids, your career, your appearance, your bank account? If it is, then that's your treasure. And that's what your heart will always be thinking about. But when I give to God, my time, treasure, and talents, that draws me closer to him. I would say that God is much more interested in raising up disciples than he is raising dollars. Number three, giving is the antidote to materialism. Giving is the antidote to materialism. There, there's a lie that we believe that stuff will make me happy, that happiness can be purchased. You know, life, liberty and the purchase of happiness. If I can only get X, whatever that is, then I'll really be happy. So that becomes my goal to accumulate more and more. So then it seems the reason that those who have the most, the richest people, would be the happiest. Do you think that's true? I don't think that's true. Many of them are the most miserable because they're too busy making a living to make a life. Making a living is what you get. And making a life is what you give. Giving, then, is the antidote to materialism that is so prevalent and pervasive in our culture. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. It's not a sin to enjoy good things. God gives these good things to us to enjoy, but he doesn't prosper us so we can hoard things, but rather that we might be conduits of his blessing to others. John Taylor, in his book, Enough is Enough, says every Christian when watching TV, when commercials come on, say to the television set, you have to be kidding me. Because the commercials are telling you without our product, 
Without what we're selling, you'll never be happy. You'll never be successful. You need what we've got. And that's a lie. So I have to speak the truth to myself that it, it, I won't be happier. I won't be more blessed by hoarding something more, but by giving something. Number four, giving strengthens my faith. You have me on? Yeah. Okay. This is really nice, Jody. You, you've got a good one. Okay. Yes. I even sound like a deeper, richer voice. Wow. Where has this voice been all my life? Okay. Giving strengthens my faith. God uses Material things to test our faith. Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Some of you might remember the Pepsi challenge. This was a long time ago when Pepsi-Cola came out and Coke was the main competitor and enjoyed the large market share. So Pepsi's advertising strategy was to take the Pepsi challenge. Try Pepsi for three months. And if you don't like it better, go back to Coke. Well, a lot of people stuck with Pepsi because they liked it better. So sometimes I think of tithing as the Pepsi challenge. Where God is saying, try me, try this, I dare you. This is the only place I can think of in the scripture where God asks us or invites us to test him in something. Well, I've taken the Pepsi challenge or the tithe challenge really my whole life. Even as a little child, my mom taught me to tithe. I would get a dollar in allowance and my parents would encourage me, put a dime in the offering plate, right? I mean, maybe, maybe your parents did the same sort of thing. I, I like Deuteronomy 1423. Here's how it reads in the Living Bible. Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. So there are lots of promises in the Bible about giving. I think more than any other topic with a promise usually comes a premise. And so the premise is give. Give, then you receive. I think our thinking might be, well, God, if you give me something, if you give me more, if you give me enough, then I will give. No, that's not how it works. You've got to prime the pump. I've had times and seasons of my life where I was laid off. I had no job. I had no income coming in at all, and yet whatever came in my way, I still wanted to give it because I understood the spiritual principle. By giving, that's how God blesses me, and God loves to see that kind of faith. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Whatever is coming in, those first fruits, you give it to him. 
5. Giving is an investment for eternity. Giving is an investment for eternity. Maybe you've heard these cliches. There's no U-Hauls behind hearses. And you can't take it with you, which is true. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. And you do that by investing in what lasts. Investing in things of eternity, like God, God's word, God's people. First Timothy 6, 18 and 19, also in the Living Bible. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. So a protected investment with great interest rates come back to you. Number six, giving blesses me back. Giving blesses me back. I always receive more than I give. Let me read a couple places in Proverbs 22 and Psalm 112. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. And then in Psalms, it is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. That really jumped out at me when I was reading that this week. He will be remembered forever. Do you want to be remembered forever? I hope. You'll be remembered for what you gave, not for what you received. Calvin Coolidge, former president, said, No man is honored in what he receives in life, but what he gave. We're, we're honored by what we give. That's how people will remember us. So-and-so was generous. They gave me this. No one is going to read your resume at your funeral. But someone's going to get up, family, friends, and they're going to talk about your life, what you gave to them, what you gave to your community. Proverbs eleven twenty five: Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. The one who waters will himself be watered. Have you learned this secret that whatever you give comes back to you? So if you're giving lots of criticism to people, what do you think is going to come back your way? If you gossip about people, what do you think is going to be said about you? But if you're encouraging people, encouragement is going to come back your way. Again, it's just the law of Scripture, the law of sowing and reaping. And number seven, giving makes me happy. It's a source of joy. Remember Acts 10, 35, Jesus' own words, you know, more happy or blessed by giving. Well, I need to tell you something true this morning. I'm selfish by nature. I want more stuff. And God has had to teach me and deal with me over the years to be more of a giver because it's not natural. But I can tell you, it does really feel good to be able to give to others, especially if they need something and you have it and you can help them. That feels really good. I'm convinced that there's two types of people in this world, givers and takers. So do you want to be thought of as a taker in life? If not, give. Jesus said, if you hold on to life, you'll lose it. But if you give it away, then you'll find it. And the word miserable, the root of that is miser. 
So if I'm a miser and I'm holding on to it tight, this is mine. Then I'm going to be miserable. But as I give it and share it and I'm generous, it makes me happy. First Chronicles 29.9. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. You know, because I see our church as a happy and generous church, I've seen and I know the sacrifices you've made in giving to the Lord over these years. In the COVID years, when there were just a handful of people here on Sunday mornings, we, we did well financially. If Harold is here and Ted could vouch for this, right? We, the Lord's people gave. And I'm thankful for our church in that way. So we should give, right? I mean, God's word tells us that. But it's how we give, the attitude in which we give that's so very important. Because I can give grumbling and complaining the whole time, and that's no good. I want to share with you five attitudes. For as you give to the Lord, we already see that if you give, he's going to bless you. But how should I give in my heart? What's my attitude? What are some good attitudes to give, in other words? The first I would say is give willingly. I'm going to be in First Chronicles 29. That's a great chapter. If you want us really do a deep dive into giving, go to First Chronicles 29. There's a lot of good stuff there. Verse 5, 14, and 17. And for all the work to be done by craftsmen, gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver, who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord. But who am I and what is my people? That we should be able thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own have we given you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. So the story of First Chronicles 29 is, is building the temple and getting ready to fashion it for God's people to worship there. So it was a matter of willingness of the people to give gifts to the Lord. And it was a matter of willingness, not wealth. Second Corinthians 8:12 says, "For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have." So it's not equal gifts. It's equal sacrifice. The willingness makes the difference. Who will forget the widow in Mark 12? And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched. This is Jesus, the people, putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she has, all she has to live on. Second Corinthians nine, seven says each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly. Or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So you've thought it out. 
when you come on Sunday morning. You planned out what you're going to give, not on a whim. You don't just think, well, I'll just open my wallet here. What do I have in here? I have a couple bucks. I'm going to throw it in. No, it's well thought out and planned. You've decided. You don't like being pressured. I don't like being pressured. God doesn't like you being pressured. You decide. You give. Give willingly. That's why we have the box for our gifts out in the foyer. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's pressuring you. You decide to give. Number two, attitude, give generously. In the building of the temple, David set a good example for the people. First Chronicles 29, 2-4. So I have provided for the house of my God, so far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of Onyx and stones for setting, antimony, colored stones, all sorts of precious stones in marble. Moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own of gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. Three thousand talents of gold of the gold of Ophir and seven thousand talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house. So David said, even from my own personal wealth, I've given to the Lord. The other night we were having dinner with Todd and Amy Gacky. Todd is a lawyer with a family foundation. We were just talking about the election and things of our community. And uh, Todd and Amy talked about Mr. Giovanni. Anyone know him from the pizza place? They were saying, what a generous Christian man he is. And he gives much of his finances to this community. What a great example that is, right? So that spurred on David's example of giving spurred on the people to give. First Chronicles 29, 6-9. Then, after David said, I gave all this, then the leaders of the fathers' houses made their freewill offerings, as did the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart, They had offered freely to the Lord. David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. Let me read another one. This time out of 2 Corinthians 8, 3 to 4. This is about the Macedonians giving. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. These people were begging to give. You see, the... The the giving by their leaders spurred them on. They were inspired by that. The tithe is a good starting place. It doesn't have to be a stopping place. I've always wanted to give over and above that. Number three attitude, give joyfully. I think when we give, we should have a smile on our face. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word there for cheerful, some of you probably know this. It's really a neat word. It's the word hilarion. 
It's our English word, hilarious. So giving should be an act of hilarity. When I give, I just laugh and laugh. It is so fun. This is so wonderful. So the people in David's day were excited and happy to give. How about you? Some time ago, there was a bumper sticker, Honk If You Love Jesus. There was another one that was created that says, Tithe If You Love Jesus. Anyone can honk. Number four, fourth attitude. Give thankfully. Back to 1 Chronicles 29, 13 and 14. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. So they thank God for providing for them the blessings that they then in turn gave back to the Lord into his building of his temple. Think about how much we've been blessed living here in America. I've been to Haiti three times. And it's a quite different place. And it's really tough there now. You, you dare not go there because of all the rioting and gangs. But whenever I was there and we would visit in people's homes, their homes were like the equivalent of your garage. It would be like if you can picture a family of six or eight living in your garage. That's how they lived. But oftentimes they were very thankful and thankful to the Lord for all their blessings. So we who've been blessed with so much really should, right? Have a thankful, gracious, grateful attitude for the Lord this season. Psalm 116:12, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits for me? Well, at the very least, thankfulness. Giving thanks and giving to others who are needy is one way to show that we thank the Lord. Lord God, thank you for all you've done for me over my whole life. You've been so good and kind. Fifth attitude, give expectantly. Give with expectation. Second Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So this is a principle in more than just farming. If the farmer wants to plant a crop, does he or she sit on the couch and pray, God, give me a great crop this year? No, no farmer would do that. The farmer knows they have to get out into the field and sow the seed. And the amount of seed sown determines the amount of the crop. If I sow just a few seeds in my little tiny garden, I'm going to produce something, but it'll be small. If I plant lots of seeds, I'm going to have a big crop. And that's true in life. What I sow is in the proportion in which I reap. If I give a little, I receive a little. If I give a lot, I receive a lot. Not just in money back. So how big of a harvest do I want? I think that's a good question. Giving to the Lord is not paying a bill. It's an opportunity. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. That's how I feel when I give. I know I'm supporting the Lord's work, the local church, parachurch organizations, which we want to support. We believe in their mission. 
So I know I'm giving a tangible financial gift to those organizations, and they will tangibly use them for the work of the Lord. But, you know, also in my mind, I realize I'm planting these invisible seeds of blessing that's going to boomerang and advance back to me in ways that I don't even realize. Second Corinthians 8, 5. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. God doesn't need your money. But he wants what it represents, you, your heart. Because he knows money is a big deal to us, especially in a materialistic culture. Someone said, when God has your wallet, he has you. And I think that's true for most of us. As I give God my time, my treasure, my talents, I say, God, I'm all yours. Lord, thank you for this teaching in your word on being good stewards of the resources you've given to us. You've given us a lot. So therefore, a lot is expected. Lord, may we have generous hearts to needs around us, to your work. And Lord, we will gladly receive whatever you have for us, that again, it just might flow, flow from us to others, that needs will be met, and that you'll be praised in the word of God advanced in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. to be thankful for as we close out this service um, we were going to count our blessings I hope you've been doing that already today but give God praise
Journey. 